I've been living with a couple of dogs, and I am this close to accidentally sitting on one of them. <laughs> because these dogs fucking suck. <laughs> I was in my hovel of a basement, which is just a sad little room in which I just, like, smoke cigarettes and type endlessly at a computer and barely look up and meow at the cat, and then I hold them. Like, All right, I'm going to lay it out, and it's real simple. Saturday, February 22nd. It's the Winter Reels Entertainment Extravaganza. We're going to have live local films on the big screen. That was a part of the 100-hour film challenge. Judges are going to be there. They're going to give feedback on the stage to the filmmakers. It's going to be awesome. Then we got John Mick, comedian. The guy's hilarious. He's going to be doing a routine, and it's going to be absolutely amazing. After that, we got the live 100th episode of the YMM podcast. It's going to be great. It's a celebration, and we want you to join us. February 22nd, tickets are on sale now. Get them. YMMpodcast.com. You'll see the link right at the top of the page. It's going to be an absolutely amazing time. We want you to be there with us. Due to a shitload of swearing and some graphic conversations, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Fort Mac. Loves it when we swear a lot. Tress fucking miserable. <laughs> On, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Whoa, There's sorry. Movement. That's why. No, it just for some reason just jacked in really high gear. Okay, three, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Wyman Podcast. I'm Totsky. I'm Tito. I'm Terry Mort. I'm Claude. Steph Link. <laughs> Misty Oaks. Big, big group here at the dining room table because we're celebrating uh, a new piano play that's going to be starting this week because uh, we took. But the last playoff, I guess, because we only did one this year. So we didn't do one for Vigilante, right? Yeah, Vigilante was uh, the cast from Catalyst Theater, and that was a bunch of professional actors from around the country. So, uh, so they're like, podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they're, they were, most of them were on equity contracts and very tight timelines. So it's nice to be able to do these podcasts with the local community. Absolutely. It's like carnies. <laughs> I guess it is. So get it? in the van, everybody. <laughs> the they were, they were in stop. rehearsal. Like all the time, like before yeah. every show, all day they were in rehearsal. They had that uh, open audition that uh, some of the filmmakers, people, uh, filmmakers association that went. Oh, to the rehearsal, open and rehearsal. Yeah, yeah. Watch the rehearsal and ask questions. Steve said it was really, really good. Unfortunately, I think me and you were both out of town. We couldn't make it, so got positive feedback for that one. So it sounds good. Fortunately, missed the play, but we have an open rehearsal. It's called preview. <laughs> preview. <laughs> 
Everybody's going to be naked. Sweet. <laughs> Except for me. <laughs> just, like, don't they still do that in England? I believe they they have like naked live, open rehearsals, like live nude theater. I know Absolutely. that. Cold hair. Absolutely. <laughs> no, just, no, but there's like they do Shakespeare naked. I, I there's forget. a there's a company in New York City that's been performing off Broadway for like I don't know. It's been like thirty years. Mm-hmm. The show's called Ten Naked Guys Singing. I wonder and what's in it. And it's literally 10 <laughs> naked guys singing. I'm very curious singing. what this is about. That's it. That's all it is. <laughs> and they're like a choir. And they sing. That's amazing. And they sell out. And they've been going on. It's like 30 years. These guys have been earning a living singing uh, naked. I remember for 30 years. I remember it's when insane. my mom seen Puppetry of the Penis. And she, like, I was like, what? <laughs> 15 or something at the time? And it's all she would talk about. Have <laughs> no, you seen a documentary on that no, show? No, I, I have. It's Awesome. Is it? I heard it's a good show. It's awesome. I'll never forget it's the goat. Awesome. Yeah, I know. The goat will forever God. live in my mind. Wow, okay, so that's got to be good. Just cool. using one penis? Yeah. yeah. And, wow, that is and some hands. And, and the double cheeseburger. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm trying Just to figure out your the logistics. You're 50 years old and your mom talking about it like that. And it's like, go to my dad, you should do the goat tonight. And it's like, oh my what? God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're actually, no, this isn't a joke. I'm not kidding. But there's, they're, in England right now, they're developing a musical after this. They're, it's called Puppetry of the Penis, the musical. musical. Wow. Wow, that's amazing. It was a, Everything it was a is becoming the musical now. <laughs> Yeah. You must all die the Evil Dead, the musical. Yeah, you just have to tack the musical onto it. <laughs> Sell tickets. Speaking of musical, what are we talking about today? Well, it's I not It's not know. Les Mis, the musical. It's just called <laughs> Les Miserables, and it sort of speaks for itself. But I think we'll let Claude introduce us to the show. Quick quick story before Claude gets in, because literally yeah. the people at work are just, they, when I said Les Miserables, they're just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> they literally think the show is called Les Mis. They're just like the, the <laughs> Well that's what everybody calls it I mean it's, like it's literally You know uh, uh, So it's uh, You know it's I mean it, it's funny because uh, um, When I When I found out You know Or when I decided With Alan Roberts That we were doing this show I immediately went And got the book To read And I I Vaguely You know Through my My pod infested brain from when I was a teenager I remember in high school you know having to read this and we didn't we didn't read it <laughs> I didn't read Same it thing Shakespeare, I, did, yeah. I did the Cole's notes thing and cheated you know uh, to get through English class but I mean it's it's an eight, the the abridged version of the book is 896 pages that, that's the, the version shit. I read yeah. the the unabridged is 1500 and change it's a huge huge <laughs> Novel. When was it written? Like when? And, where's uh, the origin? It was uh, 1862. Oh wow! Um, uh, Victor Hugo uh, wrote it. It's a, uh, and it, it, I mean, it's just an epic, epic story. Um, and uh, um, it, to conceive of even attempting to write a musical around a, a, a piece of literature that dense. Is is it's it's unfathomable when you think about it, and uh, and it they they've actually done a really terrific job, B- but it's interesting how quickly things happen in the show um, uh, to some of the characters. Uh, we see the uh, the great example is the Bishop of Ding, who we see for maybe two minutes mm-hmm. at, at the beginning of the show. He's a very very important catalyst. To the, to the rest of the story and in the novel there's like 120 pages just about him mm-hmm. well, like just about him that culminates 
with the two minutes you see on stage. Right? Wow. So you get this entire backstory on the bishop from, from when he was a child to, to when he actually meets the stranger. You know? Yeah. And, uh, um, and Jean Valjean's biography goes on for another hundred pages before you even know his name. <laughs> like, he's just called the stranger. So we're talking about But you know his you know, name in the musical. In depth uh, character development. You. And so <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge novel, and they've done a terrific job. And of course, the music is, you know, iconoclastic now. I mean, it's just like, you know, everybody knows something from that show. Yeah. Everybody know, remembers a bit of a tune, and if you don't think you do, you do. Well, even before you know, the the Hollywood movie came out, what, was it last year? I believe it was yeah, last year, right? Last Christmas. Yeah. yeah, last Christmas. Like it was still. It's been running on on Broadway for how long? It's been going since twenty seven years. The longest eighties, wasn't it? It's yeah. The lo- mm-hmm. World's longest running musical. Wow. It's been seen by over sixty five million people in forty two countries. I vividly remember uh, when we lived in uh, Army Brat and floated around. I remember in Toronto, so I've got to be like six or seven years old. But I very vividly remember a, a, a commercial. Yeah, because it was playing down there. Because yeah. the logo used to be like a helicopter and a sun. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Is no, uh, that would have been Miss Saigon. No, that's Miss Saigon. Oh, the Why It's the little girl, you know, behind the French flag that's furling. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, know? but you're looking yeah. at that. Yeah, no, I, I, that's so. why Miss Saigon. Wow. It's all good. I'm just gonna edit that out it's completely. All good. I just, I <laughs> remember that. There were no <laughs> helicopters. It would be amazing if it opened like that. Just them pulling the boat and helicopter just coming down. Yeah. So, okay, I don't well, there is a them. French connection, though, so that's good. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but it's a, you know, it, it's like, uh, it's like the Shakespeare of musicals, and, and I think what I mean by that is that it's it's timeless, it's completely um, uh, uh, accessible to anybody, any human being will understand what's what's happening and what the story is about because it's it's such a universal story. Uh, and I think that's what makes you know theater last as long as it can last. And, and if you it's if you think, yeah. yeah, and if yeah. you think about Shakespeare, you know Shakespeare has been adapted you know twenty thousand ways from Sunday, and it's it's be, but the story's the same because it's universal. It's we all get it, you know, because it's just, it's a human story that we we all experience in one way or another. And and the the story of, of Jean Valjean, the story of Les Misérables, is just exactly that. It's like you, you immediately, you any person walking into the theater will identify themselves to to one or more of the characters that they see on stage. Yeah, I was uh, I was reading about about when the movie was coming out last year. Um, basically, they were taught they were writing about how uh, Lemis uh, legitimiz- legitimized uh, the musical because. Um, up until the, because it, it's very operatic, mm-hmm. so it's ve- and, and before that, like high, high, uh, highbrow, highbrow uh, entertainment was considered the opera, and musicals were considered a bit lowbrow. And then Le Mis came around and kind of really legitimized the musical mm-hmm. as kind of the standard of oh, this is North American, or this is you know what I mean. This is the, this is the opera of of, of a more modern it's the uh, pop generation. Opera. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I mean, and it's really the what'd you call it, the pop opera? Pop opera, yeah, oh, and it's really the precursor to. Uh, you know, uh, musicals like Evita and and uh, some of these other kind of mm. pop opera uh, musicals that uh, that have become more and more popular. In fact, uh, and uh, you know, one of the things that's really interesting about a, a, a sung through musical, which this is, and that's one of those things that 
nobody really grasps until they see it and and, and when, you, when you talk about people seeing the movie yeah the, the huge huge uh, reaction to the movie was dude all they did was sing yeah. <laughs> right yeah. and uh, all, all I got was wow Wolverine yeah. can sing yeah. <laughs> but, but one of the things that music does that I that that no amount of you know, eloquent language, whether it's Shakespeare or otherwise, can do is is uh, bring out emotion. You know, and 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 color um, that that you just can't get without without it being sung. Without and and it's from an actor's perspective, people that are in the show, it's it's so easy to access what's being what's happening for the characters simply by singing. Yeah, what what's written. It's just right there. I think it emotes a lot different than if someone's actually just doing running dialogue, right? Exactly. Like, um, yeah. One thing I was contemplating when uh, it was whether or not I should take Kingston to see this, and I'm going to, because mm-hmm. I think like he's still at that age now where uh, he's not going to comprehend too much of, of any kind of dialogue, right? But what captivated him was just like what did, happened at hometown is the singing, right? Yeah. Yeah. He was uh, the singing and dancing routines. Like I've never seen it, and I've sure said it in how many fucking podcasts yeah. since. But it, it captivated him. That's why I want to show him this one because you never know that one. Like mm-hmm. sure, yeah, I thought it was Miss Saigon, but yeah. I'm sure it might catch him. Like when he's what, 20, 30 years old Absolutely. at the time that hey, I saw that performance Les Misérables at Cannes Theater, and mm-hmm. wow, it really got me into yeah, dance or whatever, Absolutely. right? So yeah. or singing. Um, take me through the premise because I'm. Now I'm so. Uh, you think it's Miss Saigon? That's yeah. I know. I'm so paranoid now. Where I think I'm mixing up these two. Where I'm like, I'm just gonna shut up and let. Well, there's so there's no helicopters in Les <laughs> As soon as I said helicopter, I'm like, wait a second. They came off a fucking boat. And uh, <laughs> anyway, so it's really about, um, you know, it's really about these two guys. I mean, they, they, the the story really tracks through these two guys. And the first guy is Jean Valjean. He's a He's a, a guy that was born, you know, into poverty and uh, at a very young age was arrested for stealing a loaf of bread because his, his, his sister and his brothers and sisters were starving. And he got put in the jail and he tried to escape. And so he ended up, for stealing a loaf of bread, he ended up in jail for like 19 years. Wow. Right? And so the, and the, the musical kind of picks up just as he's being let out of jail. And there's this there's this guy named Javert who's the, the the gatekeeper if you like to the jail and he's this very um, uh, stuffy you know black and white there's no gray area right is right and wrong is wrong kind of guy who who basically you know uh, sees Valjean as a criminal and nothing else. You know, once you've committed a crime in his mind, Doesn't you're a criminal for life, right? And uh, and so that sets up this whole this whole story that is really about you know forgiveness, redemption, second chances. So Valjean gets let out of jail. He um, he suffers through a number of of incidents that. You know, where doors are getting slammed in his face, and because he's been a a convict before, people aren't giving him work. Same experience most prisoners, most cons getting out of jail are having even today, right? And uh, and so he gets he's angry. He gets angry and frustrated, and and he has an opportunity to um, rob someone, and he does. Um, And what changes is he gets arrested again because he gets caught running away with all this stuff 
and the the priest that that he robbed um, says, "Oh no, I gave that to him." So he doesn't get arrested, and in fact, he gives the guy more stuff, more gold, essentially, and says, "Now go and be a good person." Oh, wow. I just bought your soul for yeah. God, okay. right? Uh, and it's not a religious story, no. but that's 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 how it's. And so then he goes about becoming this completely different man, who actually becomes a leader in his community, becomes the mayor of his town, runs a factory, employs all sorts of people, and. And just becomes a very valuable, uh, 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 productive member of, of his community. And the policeman suddenly shows up at his doorstep one day because he's been hired to be the policeman for, for his town. And so, and so then what develops is this, this you know, story where he discovers that the guy is you know, been on the lamb all these years and, and they start, he starts chasing them essentially through the years. And, uh, and there's a number of instances where, where Valjean escapes, yeah. uh, uh, and, uh, and ultimately, you know, uh, we get exposed to, you know, the French civil war, yeah. which is also related in the sense that it's about, you know, equal rights for, yeah. for, for humanity, uh, and the notion that you know only the rich were getting anything, uh, and the poor were just continually getting pushed down. It's it's a commentary on uh, essentially the the French Revolution as a whole, and yeah, essentially it like is, absolutely. yeah, uh, Javier is very much representative of of the blind bl- uh, the the blind leading the blind in the sense that he yeah. he believes in a system that's essentially broken. And the movie itself is like uh, what I really enjoy about the story is that. While all this is happening between these two main characters, there's a revolution happening. Plus, life is happening. So, in the sense that he has a daughter, and you know, th- there's a world he's bringing her up in, and there's all these questions about yeah. what type of world is he bringing up her? Does he remain an upstanding citizen, or does he stand for something so that she has a better future? As well as you know, those those that may have been affected by the the status quo, as it were, right? So, yeah. and, and every you know, every step of the way, there are other characters that come into the story. Who all, you know, learn something, uh, uh, and 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 grow in a way that's that's redemptive in its own right. And they, you know, one of the things I told the cast recently is that, you know, I mean, one of the jokes about Les Mis is everybody dies, right? I've heard I of mean, that, yeah. <laughs> it's like there's a T-shirt that says Les Mis Rob, everybody dies, on the bottom, you know, but they all die, they all die with love in their heart uh, uh, and they all start mostly angry frustrated and they all find their way to, to having this, this love in their heart and all of these characters in some way uh, touch Valjean's life um, and, uh, I, and without giving away too much of the rest of the story um, that's really what it's about and uh, uh, and the whole thing wraps up at the end in such a beautiful, beautiful way. Um, uh, it's uh, it's a really touching story, uh, and I I don't care how hard hearted you are. It's just there are things that happen in the story that are just gonna, gonna hit you. Yeah. just and gonna hit you. There's you know? a, like a um, as Claude was saying. I mean, he um, 
like life does happen throughout the story and uh, I mean part of it is like there's that whole romance element of uh, Cosette which you'll find out who that is so I don't want to yeah. spoil anything yeah, but yeah. like th- there's you know the, it, essentially the, the face you see here yeah. right and I mean um, uh, I was having a conversation with a friend about about this and they were just saying how she uh, in high school she wrote a paper about how Cosette is basically that she represents kind of like that pure spirit that, hope. that the hope and that hope. the heart that you said that those people yeah. are the that they you know everybody dies but there is this hope that's building mm. throughout the story right absolutely yeah i just saw an internet meme the other day and it's going to see les miserables you're gonna suffer but you're gonna be happy about it <laughs> it's true and really it's, yeah. it's, it's representative of yeah. what the French Revolution really stood for right because yeah. of the fact that they that, you know a lot of people died to make it happen but it was all worth it for them right so yeah and one of the things I find really interesting about you know many people will have seen the movie before they come and see this production many people will have come will have seen maybe the, a Broadway tour or even the Broadway show because it's just been everywhere. Yeah. Um, it's a show that's just been done so many times. But most most people who will come to the theater at Keanu will, will probably have seen the movie or been exposed to, to parts of the yeah. movie in some way. Because it's a big Hollywood film, lots of attention, um, um, good and bad. Uh, but one of the things I find interesting that that people will, will see almost right away, this juxtaposition between the movie and, and the the theater piece is that the movie is very pretty. Um, it's very attractive, right? And it wasn't an attractive world. And I think that the theater production tends to more tends mm-hmm. to make the the reality uh, of the world these people lived in certainly more. Uh, uh, realistic and, and gritty and dirty. You know, people. I mean, yeah. people. People had one set of clothes. They didn't have a closet full. They had. They had one set of clothes, and they would wear those clothes until they they fell off. You know, women in that in that period would literally wear a dress until it was rotting, and they would put another dress over top of that dress, and the old dress would literally just rot off eventually. I mean, that's that's. The real, the real historic deal. Fact. That's a it's real commitment. historical. <laughs> that's just the way they they did it, uh, and um, and so it it really it and and I think the the theater production and certainly the design of this particular production, and the way that we've approached the the work of this production is is really about that. And the other thing is that in this production, because we're up here in Fort McMurray, it's real people up there. You know, well, so uh, I'm just looking so, at the cast. Like, yeah, it's, it's it's names that everyone knows. And yeah, that's again the power of the you know theater company. And right? many you don't that'll They're blow in- your mind. <laughs> I swear to God. Well, let's yeah. let's go through the process. I think when did auditions start? We didn't have auditions. All right. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the interesting things, uh, departures, if you like, uh, from this particular uh, production is that we, uh, we, we wanted to make, again, the, the work as accessible as possible to anybody who wanted to participate. That's kind of, you know, that was kind of the beginning of the beginning of that started with hometown. And, and this is just a, a kind of a continuation of that. And so what we did is we had these information sessions um, um, where we mostly explained to everybody what it would mean to be a part of this production. Now, that happened before the search for six? I remember that from Interplay. No, that was after the search for cassette. And uh, so that was the first kind of, that was a launching pad for the production, right, is that, is that you know, 
here's uh, here's us looking for for cassette, and then and then these these Which info a great sessions. Turnout interplay. That was yeah. fun to watch. And then what we did is the, at the info sessions is we actually had everybody come up on stage as a group, so it's not too daunting. You're just not walking up there all by yourself, and we had them sing a couple of the big choral numbers, mm-hmm. and I, I mean everybody got shivers doing that because it's it the music again just it just it it just elevates you elevates you know and uh and and then you know the following day we had uh we had sessions with anybody who was interested in actually being in the show because a lot of people who just wanted to help or volunteer or be a part of the show on the backstage side were there as well and uh so the folks that were interested in actually being in the show came and and we uh, we kind of went about selecting the cast from that particular starting place. So and it's a rather large cast, like forty nine. Wow, forty nine people. It's a pretty demanding show. Actually, I had a question. Like, how is the wall coming along? The barricade. The barricade. Yeah. The barricades. Uh, the barricades looking great. Uh, our designer uh, just arrived a couple days ago, and he's going to continue to dress it up a bit. So it's a it's been a process. So they built the. Uh, they built the um, skeleton of it, and we had that in rehearsal for a bit. And then they, you know, did some paint work, and then they did some. They added some stuff, and then they added more stuff. And then we're going to add some more details to it and stuff. So it's been kind of, and it's been one of those things where we're in rehearsal, and we go, oh, like we could use this, or we could, you know, it'd be nice to do this. Oh, this thing isn't exactly working, you know, that kind of thing. Now, is that something that like? you guys had to design on your own or is it something like as as the the play tours there's certain specifications out there that they're saying hey well, you might want to try this the designer the designer Jason Bolin he's come from uh, the Bolin <laughs> he's the come Bolin-y. from New York to yeah. uh, design the show and oh, wow. he has designed the show in the past yeah. So he has a pretty he had a pretty good idea of what uh, what was required uh, for the staging and stuff um, and Claude also had obviously input on what he needed to, mm-hmm. to be able to use and so I mean every production of Lame is the uh, the barricade they have something in common obviously because you're all doing the same things on it so right. I mean there's going to be some common denominators but uh, yeah each designer comes at it with their own you know their own life and and, and how how do I mean do you guys just have um what is it? I forget what it's called in movies. Uh, the photorealistic backdrops. Mm-hmm. Do you just change between them for for the ba- the this uh, for the set change, or are you guys? I, I know that with um, was the one about the hostages, uh, the acid in the eyes or the extremity extre- for extremities. Mm-hmm. It, there was a very cool like never, almost German uh, German surrealist layout yeah. to to oh, the house. Oh, I right? see what you're saying. So I'm like, are there any aspects to that in this, or are you guys just relying on? We have giant set. We have some giant set pieces, mm-hmm. and we also have some uh, projections uh, that okay. we're going to be using as well. So it, we have di- a variety of different, and then like lots of furniture and stuff like that. So every production, like every single show, is different all the time. It the depends. set moves. Yeah. The, yeah. Set, the set moves, and it pieces revolve and move on and off, and there's all sorts of things that come on. I and find off. that so endlessly and then, fascinating. And then it's so all, cool. uh, and then yeah. the projections are really cool because they really uh, are. They're um, they're they're really inspired by all of the pencil and ink drawings that that were originally uh, printed with the book, mm-hmm. the original oh, novel. Sure. So they really embrace this is the this uh, image of um, of cassette, little cassette oh. is real is right out of of uh, mm-hmm. Hugo's book. 
uh, um, and uh, it's been reproduced a, a million different ways in a million different times. But there's a pencil and ink drawing that that came with the novel when it first was published back in like whenever uh, that uh, that uh, uh, that this is inspired from, and so all of the drawings of the locations because the show travels right mm-hmm. it's it, it starts in a in a you know kind of a, a work camp chain gang environment mm-hmm. and then it goes to a small um, um, f- French community and then it goes to Paris and and it just it moves really through and it moves through time as well and 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 it's an interesting time that it moves through you know 1815 to 1832 because fashion changed right in the middle of that like you know the the bustles got skinnier mm-hmm. and 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 I mean lots of things changed from a fashion perspective as yeah. well so that that's represented and so um, it's it's really you know and and every design of a set you know takes in the the, the space that it's going to go in the number of people that are going to be involved in the project the resources that you have at your disposal and so on well and so that's truly what's so. going to make this play unique from this the absolutely, past, right? absolutely. this show fills the entire theater. The entire theater will consume you. Wow. Uh, it's one of the biggest sets that we've <laughs> that ever had. Quote, it will consume you, Misty Oaks. <laughs> it, will, you, it will. Post yeah. quote, yeah. There's, there's yeah. not one seat in, the, in our theater where you won't feel like you're not in the show. You will be in the show with us. Um, the, the set pieces are as high as they can possibly go without rubbing the top of the proscenium. <laughs> yeah. They might even... Yeah, that's good. That's a, like, <laughs> and I mean, but... but the something thing, to say about simplicity, but something to say about uh, complex as well. But the thing about, you know, the thing about theater that, that, you know, I always like to remind myself of, and I think for you guys, it's, 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 it's uh, it, you know, film is really, with film, you can, I mean, it has to be realistic. The audience demands that, you know, if you stab somebody in the neck, that the blood just comes spurting out and that if there's a fire it's like raging you can almost feel Mm -hmm. it come off the screen but in theater the objective is really to convey and and assist every individual's imagination and so we're just setting the place we're just Mm -hmm. it's just place setting when you talk about you know design for theater it's really place setting so that that the audience can can just simply come along with you Right, uh, and and set the mood, and uh, and 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 make up for themselves what it really, really w- would have looked like. Because we can't, we can't recreate it on stage. Well, right? I remember reading an article where uh, was it Chicago? It was a big production that they did in some place, and they got different aspects of the audience to talk to them after the production, and be like, "Tell us about." the design and the set and tell yeah. us about what you saw and it was such a difference of what the yeah. experience I, th- I think ultimately that's what actually caused the failure of uh, the Spider-Man on Broadway yeah they tried Absolutely. way too hard to overproduce way it hard. way too hard way like too I mean they were, they were losing Spider-Man left and right yeah. on, during that production yeah. right yeah well, I think Terry, you can relate. When you were in Calendar Girls, hmm. you know there were no sunflowers on that set. We you we never got all gogos and yeah, like but that. you got transported in your imagination. Yeah, you did. Yeah, there's a certain abstract quality. 
that comes to the stage, I think, um, that you don't see, you know, with film. I mean, film, and a lot of it has to do with lighting, too. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody just mentioned yeah. about um, the grittiness and the reality of a real, mm-hmm. you know, 1830 time period. And, you know, how raw everything was. And in movies and film, there's a lot of beautiful light brought in to romanticize everything. And when you come back to the stage, it feels more real. It's more graphic in your face. And, um, you know, that comes about with some of those abstractions that a director or a designer can bring to a stage. Yeah, yeah, just because when you mentioned the lighting, because, like... A prime example is what I think we just saw with uh, Much Ado About Nothing by Josh uh, Whedon, mm-hmm. where he, lighting in a film can dictate where the director wants you mm-hmm. to, yeah. to go well, how the director There's wants also an irony, it. too, because um, the, the re- uh, film isn't necessarily more real. It, it's hyper-real, really, if you yeah. think about it. People don't yeah. bleed that way. Explosions don't happen that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. And the reason is because it's a two-dimensional image, right? So they're trying so much harder because you're yeah. really not seeing people. And, and the, the, the power that uh, uh, live theater conveys is that you're you're actually seeing real performances. You can you can feel the people like as they're emoting, as they're moving, like yeah. the, the the echo the of their energy. steps and all that stuff. It's that so energy amazing. does so yeah. much to immerse the audience too, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. I tell people all the time, you know, the fire off stage is way bigger than any fire you could build yeah. on yeah. stage yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, having a light glowing off stage, everybody will conjure. About Absolutely, way more dramatic yeah, image exactly. than you you can ever create. Theater right? of the mind, and that's the thing mm-hmm. is that, that that's the thing that's lovely about theater. That that's the thing that I think keeps theater alive. You know, uh, um, is is that it engages your it allows your imagination to to make make up some of the story. That really harks back to uh, I mean your your TED talk actually. Uh, there there's uh, there's some pa- uh, it, I, I forget your exact uh, wording, but like the fact that people pay more for theater is because of the fact that it is that much more special than watching something that's been pre-recorded and put on the screen. Yeah, yeah I mean yeah. honestly, like uh, I, I I mean I'm a huge movie buff and stuff, but I, I do I really enjoy theater. I mean I remember as a kid the first play I saw was uh, the Pirates of Penzan, and I really oh. Up until uh, it wasn't until uh, I was an adult that I didn't re- uh, that I realized that oh this is the Pirates of Penzan because as a kid I was in grade three they took us to you know they did you know the I uh, forget um, the general you know the general song like yeah. that was stuck in my head for so many years and then I heard it Reese, uh, when I was eighteen again and I'm like I know that song and then it all came back to me yeah. and I'm like I've never seen anything except for that play that one time and it just stuck, stuck in me because did you see the experience it here? yeah it was it was here in Fort Murray so yeah. so Chuck Smith was in that it production so yeah. and oh, he's yeah. playing he's playing the bishop in our show there you go so, that's a mm-hmm. that's a story in, in and of itself we yeah. could spend mm-hmm. an hour and a half talking about Chuck Chuck mm-hmm. Chuck, Chuck has been you know was was in the very first season at Keanu Theatre Company and uh, uh, and he's been in productions for the I mean 35 years wow it's insane he he's, works at the fire department and wow. uh, and he's the sweetest man alive yeah. and, he, <laughs> <laughs> and he is so thankful and happy to be there every night mm-hmm. and and uh, it's uh, a pleasure to be around and it, yeah. you know, absolute pleasure to be around and mm-hmm. it's so lovely to have him you know, he works so yeah, hard and there. just yeah. To have yeah, him just, and Terry, I mean, you, yeah, you both, yeah. you bring well, so much history. How many? Um, is I did my you? first. Well, I, I haven't done a huge amount of productions, but I've been in a lot of yeah. over a long period. Yeah. I did my first one in 1981, which was Oliver, <gasps> and I was in high school, awesome. my last year of high school. Yeah. But you're talking about the magnitude of the set for. Um, 
Lemiz, um, Oliver was along the same vein. We had like a really huge, huge, huge yeah, set, I and it was I, um, yeah. I've seen pictures of that. Show. Yeah, and it, it it almost has the same community spirit to it. But uh, yeah, it's it's been fun. And talking about Chuck, I did Man of La Mancha with him many moons right. ago as well. Yeah. So fabulous to work with. Did you do um, Death of a Salesman? I didn't do Death of a Salesman. No, okay. no, no. no. You, it, it just I'm trying to. I'm like, uh, where where have? <laughs> well, I was in Calendar yeah. Girls last year, and ah, um, yeah. it. it I took a hiatus. I was in Rocky Horror. I played Frankenverter. That's right. That's but, awesome. Yeah, that so, is, like, yeah. That's really awesome. <laughs> it looks like a stretch now, but <laughs> no, that's that's the role to play so too. It's great to have Never people like that in the show, and then and then have people like Reese, who plays Gavrush, <laughs> you know, and and is in and and our two young cassettes who are in their first brand. piano theater production. So you get all those experience level and go so, right from brand So new. if that's you look incredible. around the room at those the, that wide range yeah. and everything mm. in between, that mm-hmm. wide range of, of ages, and um, and it's really um, it's really something to see. I was going to say, together. Steph, how's it been rallying the troops? Uh, you know, it's yeah. funny because every cast is different. Obviously, every show is different. <laughs> uh, and so going into this show, I knew it was going to be a challenge. Uh, you know. Uh, up just about 50 actors um, it's always a bit of a challenge the kids are super great they like sit in the corner and like do their little drawings and coloring and stuff and then they come on stage and do their parts and stuff they're super respectful and stuff like that um, and so the difference between hometown is the uh, the dancers were were already a tight-knit group because they came in as um, from generation as dance one, yeah. they all knew each yeah. other and stuff and so it was the the other members of the cast who were kind of feeling each other out and like trying yeah. to figure I, I said to one of my ASMs I was like they like each other too much now <laughs> they're all talking you need to destroy talking this bond. <laughs> because so you start out and they're all like quiet and meek and stuff because they don't really know each other and they're you know just trying to figure things out and then all of a sudden there's a point when they start to bond and create friendships and, and I mean that's what that's one of the reasons we're doing this and I'm super glad but you know you gotta every once in a while it's like hey guys please be quiet over there because yeah. you know someone's Stop singing, having so much fun someone's singing like an aria over here uh, so um, yeah so it's been it's been good it's uh, you know and dealing with everyone's schedules is always uh, is always the that's problem that's the Ford Mac problem you know? it always, it's it, been always will it is and I mean it's yeah. it's uh, it's a problem we just I mean when you decide that you're going to do community theater you decide that you're going to deal with a bunch of people's schedules well, <laughs> so. yeah and it's just exacerbating when you got 50 people but we roll with it we just, oh, yeah. we just know I mean, wow and in this town too learn to adapt well what hometown had 150 remember the stories of 120 it's just part of the part of the, what you what we do yeah know? I mean we just had a cast member who you know who lost a family member yeah um, you know and Wow. They got to go to a funeral. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. you learn to adapt. You just, you just you just nod your head and yeah. you still hear the figure the, it out. You still see the stories like bedtime Boeing Boeing. Like you, you see the the close knit group of smaller cast. Mm-hmm. But I know I still see connections from hometown of people talking. Oh, about totally. Hometown, about the yeah. process about we their, have right? some so. we have some people in in uh, Les Mis right now. Like specifically, um, uh, Carla. Carla Power and Janelle Leesk and uh, Krista Balsam, who were, didn't necessarily know each other or or even that well before hometown, and now they're like besties and they're like in rehearsal now, um, you know, mm-hmm. hanging out all the time. So I mean, that's the kind of bond, and that's the kind of bond theater in general creates, like mm-hmm. especially community theater. Um, I 
I was just talking to Misty about a guy from my hometown who I did theater with, who I still keep in touch with. And, you know, I just think like his brother, uh, his his brother had a great achievement in his life. And I saw it on Facebook and I was just like, oh, it was all like beclamped and like, you know, <laughs> Like that's that's the theater bond. Like I don't talk to anyone from high school, and it's not that everyone needs to be this, uh, you know, breakthrough, standout, top performer. You know, best actress, best actor. That's not who we are. We are just people, and we end up becoming friends and family. You know, we're your neighbors, we're your coworkers, and that's such an important aspect. I think in this town where you get a lot of new people that. Mm-hmm don't know where to go don't know what to do like it's like okay do I turn to the bar scene to try to make friends well can't make we friends. have actually we have a husband and wife team and uh, his and his brother so the three of them wow. she she essentially was like okay guys like we don't know anyone uh, like we need to like figure this out so do they like all went to audition and I'm like uh, and they all got in the cast and you know they're all they all come to, they come to rehearsals and they're having a bunch of fun like you'd see them you know in the corner talking to people and making friends and stuff and I think it's great like I think she she kind of was the catalyst for that but I think uh, I think now the guys are really excited that that um that happened. That was, yeah. Well, we say it every podcast, and I want to keep saying it every podcast. Because I think that's such a vital, vital aspect of community theater. Is if you are new to this town, go and, and meet some new people, and, and you can meet such a diverse yeah, range. Yeah. Like well, looking at the names of the cast is, like you said, there's some I know, there's some I don't know, but mm-hmm. 49 people, and, and you get the close knit bonding. Well, uh, there's also like a disarming nature to singing, where mm-hmm. like you're you're, you're, you're burying your soul. Vulnerable. Yeah, you make yourself vulnerable. So yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. really, like it's it's a great way to get. Well, to yeah, people, the first right? couple of music rehearsals, you could see like people who had never done this before, and it's like, okay, here's your solo line. Come on, let's go. And they're like, uh, what? Like, are you like we're not gonna like do this in the private room and like do it 85 times till I'm really good at it, and then we're gonna come and do it. Like, no, no like you're yeah. just gonna sing it right now, please. This is February. <laughs> It was, it was kind of like getting naked with everybody, but mm-hmm. yeah, but with songs. Exactly what it so. is. But with songs. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's theater. That is yeah. live theater. They're they're out there bearing all all. The t- and we joked about that with Calendar Girls because they were bearing all. But like it's literally every yeah. show that we do, every cast member is bearing it all on that stage, and that's what makes it magical. And there's something too about singing. I mean, it's an extra task that you're taking on when you're acting and things go awry. You become the improviser in singing. You know, you hit a wrong note, and it's like, oh my god, how do I get back? Yeah, you gotta, you, you still know? got a so song to complete. It's, it's it's a different process and a different mindset to just layer, you know, with musical theater. Well, that's yeah. it's it's also the most democratic place on earth. Hmm. I mean, it just is. I mean, hmm. it, it doesn't matter where you come from, how old you are, what your education is, you know, how much money you make. It just doesn't matter. Hmm. You know. None of that matters as soon as you cross the threshold of that door. That's you're true. just one of the. We're all you're one. You're just cast, one of the cast, you're just one of the cast members, and uh, uh, and that's that's all there is to it. And that's that's one of the things that I find so so amazing about it. But you know, I got in the theater as a high school student to pick up girls. I mean, I saw you were the smartest guy. I saw 14 girls walk into a classroom all by themselves, and I was like, Where are they going? Where are they going? And it was <laughs> drama. It was drama all right. So I went, I joined up for drama, like literally joined up for drama class. But I mean, aside from, I mean, and so it was great. I mean, it literally, I got my first girlfriend in drama class. <laughs> wow. You know, my, you know, but but it's a great place to meet people. I don't know a better place in Fort McMurray to make friends. 
I just yeah. I don't name I, I don't know a better place. Yeah, everyone defaults you know, to you the bar. To a sports team. <laughs> they do. It's, it's true. Yeah. And that, it's and highly comparable to athletics. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Another thing I think is really cool. I mean, I'm a high school uh, teacher, but I I have three students in the show. Oh wow! And, and um, all male and uh, two alumni and one current student. And the thing I love the most is watching how these boys. They're finding role models, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. and, and a variety of role yeah. models, people from all walks of life. And and that is so cool. And they're connecting with all these different people because of their love for theater. And, it's, and they're it's sharing a, similar interests. People are yeah. people are talking about books. They're talking about movies. They're they're doing art together. They're making music together. They're talking about different recipes. Like it's not just about being theater nerds together no. at all. Mm-hmm. In fact, unless we're doing the show, we're not really even talking about theater because that's just what we're doing. Just we out. are living life with each other and and building these deep bonds. And people say that the arts is not important, but we just literally went through 20 minutes of, yep. like, of how vital yeah. and how life-saving how it, it can to, be for people. Like the thing I, I like to remind myself about all the time is, like, I watch these people come into the room at 6 o'clock every night, and I have to remind myself what they went through today, yesterday, to get there at 6 o'clock. You know, some of these the people didn't even... Some of them didn't even go home. They just left work and came straight over. Mm-hmm. And they're Some there until 10 workers. o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. They're you know, you know, eating in the corner yeah. on their, on their <laughs> breaks. They're there until 10 o'clock. And then they go home and they go to sleep. And they do it all again the following day. You know, and they, mm-hmm. they, they don't see their families very much. Uh, uh, and uh, and they, they, they give a lot of themselves to... To be so the there. production. And, that's a lot. That's a uh, that's six a, to that's ten. A wow. gift, that's a gift we can't we can't ignore. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. But it's also adrenaline too. I mean, for <laughs> for those of us that are there, we are yeah. just adrenaline and coffee. You know, it, 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 it's the transition from the workday to the rehearsal. But one before in rehearsal, it's this euphoric well, that, experience. It's, Tito actually yeah. pointed that out the first time I felt it. What you call it? Performance high. Yeah, it was, the energy. it was literally the first uh, interplay film festival, uh, the, yeah. the the last day that we signed yeah. off. Yeah. And I don't know, I felt this. It, it felt like I just scored a, a gold medal goal, mm, right? yeah. and I was thinking I was just rambling on and on. And Tito's like, "Oh fuck, shut yeah. up!" Right? <laughs> it's yeah, true. You're just going through. Like, oh, you're on the juice. Yeah. Well, the it's interesting because you know they they say that you know like um, a lot of people you know they work shift work or they work long hours. They get home, they rest, and then they do it again, right? But there's this uh, monotony and mundane mm-hmm. nature of it. And it drains them. It drains them emotionally, right? Mm-hmm. And while doing uh, theater might drain you physically in terms of, you know, you're not going home to rest and stuff, it's really recharging you emotionally, yeah, right? Because absolutely. you're getting inspired, you're yeah. socializing, and really, the you feel the impact. And honestly, if you had to trade being physically exhausted versus being emotionally exhausted, like, yeah. emotionally is far worse. It, it, like, and so many people suffer from it in this community. Like, they, they you know, they, they, they're like, oh, well, I, I had my, ent- I had seven days off and I'm still feeling exhausted. And it's because you spent all that time resting your body, yeah. but yeah. your mind isn't being this stimulated. Is, your mind this isn't is being the reason. This is the reason this town has so many open mic nights. When I got here, I was like, why are there so many open mic nights? And who is going to these open mic nights? But Every, bar, ha- every bar has one. And 
Do you know how many gems there are in this city? Like, it's unreal. It's all these musicians who are like, I wanted to be a rock star, and that wasn't really going to happen for me. So I decided to go to Fort McMurray and drive a big truck and Mm -hmm. make lots of money. So now I'm starved creatively and emotionally, and I just need to, like, let loose. And so they go to open mic nights, and I think it's great. I think, like, at first I was like, oh, God, another open mic night. But now (laughs) now I understand it, Mm -hmm. and I understand why its purpose and why it's there. Well, I mean, just to hark back to the last year's TEDx, I mean, the whole idea was shift and thought, right? Mm -hmm. And if enough of people really, like, I mean, the idea is you're not going to change uh, people's view of Fort Murray by uh, basically arguing with naysayers. The idea is to work internally and develop a community from inside, and then that way the community itself as a whole is strong, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's how communities are built, right? I mean, that's how the whole, the town square was, the idea was that (laughs) no, everyone socialized in one communal area and shared their thoughts and ideas and even though... A vibrant downtown well, exactly, right? So, yeah. Go figure. Yeah, exactly. Go figure. But if you have nothing to share, you know, through experience, then you have no reason to be experiencing it. And that's what we do at the theater. We're, you know, we put all of this time and effort in so that you can feel your feelings because you have, you know, yeah. you have emotions for a reason and they're meant, you know, you're supposed to go through the highs and, and the lows. You're and, meant to expand, you're meant mm-hmm. to experience these emotions. And, and share your thoughts with people. Oh, just when you said highs and lows, it brought me back to, I think you were sharing an article just about, uh, totally off topic, but, um, what is it, Xanax or no, not Xanax, uh. Pro, no, Prozac keeps you level. Yeah. Right? And you don't experience those highs and lows, yeah, yeah. right? And, like, now, I'm not saying everyone should get off their medication. <laughs> too many movies try to teach you that lesson, and I'm like, I don't think that's what... No, that's no, that's why I said really off topic. But, you that um, I want to talk about Terry and, and Missy's characters. Yeah, well... Uh, Mother-daughter. Yeah, Terry's playing my mom. Hey, right <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we're well cast. We, I, I'm glad that she, I hope that I look as good as her at her age. <laughs> <laughs> so, how, like, how's the process been going? Like, is this something like you guys wanted these characters? Is um, yeah, I, I mean, I was very excited. I mean, for me, Lemiz is such um, a bucket list show. Mm-hmm. So to get into the play was phenomenal. But, you know, um, I'm playing Madame Ternadier, who is this... Uh, she's basically one of the thorns in the show. She's and one of the most fun characters of the show, yeah. too. Yeah. She gets and to live. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, only, and that's a plus. <laughs> <laughs> only, the, only the good die young, but yeah. um, Madame Ternadier and Mr. Ternadier. But, um, yeah, it's... Um, I was just excited to get in the show, and then the next level was to get this character. It was just phenomenal. And uh, so our characters don't really have much interaction too much because basically, um, you know, Eponine is more like a street urchin, really, when we think about it. You know, they, they've had to be tough and survive and so forth. And and uh, the packing order is they're higher than the beggars and they're very resourceful. So it's it's kind of a fun character to play because I'm on stage Stealing money from little children, literally taking, <laughs> you know, candy out of the mouths of babes and things wow. like that. So um, it just, just. It's always fun. fun to touch that evil side, right? The yeah, ideas are the opportunists. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. So um, and uh, well, we better not say too. I better not say too much about Eponine because because I'll give <laughs> the plot away. <laughs> not- she gets to belt. Yeah, I get to belt. Uh, to belt. No, for me, okay. I I I was happy to. Uh, go to the information sessions and and break down that 
that wall of auditions because I know a lot of people can be um, daunted by that experience. You know, and, and this is my seventh show with Keanu Theatre Company in the last three years, but I was... I would have been happy to accept any role in this production because of the fact that there's so much depth to this, to the show. I heard that a lot. Everyone was just like excited to ask people about, oh, who are you, who are you trying to play or who do you want to play? Don't care. It doesn't matter. Just want to be involved. A mm-hmm. lot of people were saying that. Uh, to the opportunity to sing the music, uh, it, that alone is worth it. Um, but my character, she's very exposed. Um, you know her her soul is exposed and and to me that is such a challenge to really open up it's very easy to play stock characters you know it's mm-hmm. it's super fun to play like the ditzy stripper and it's it's really fun <laughs> to play like the angry italian wife um but but to really have to bear your soul and work for it and earn it like that That's to me is level. is the mm-hmm. ultimate Happiness for me, yeah. Jesus. And there are some the mis- there are bumps. some misty moments on stage <laughs> oh, yeah. to, to you know yeah. pun this whole thing. Pun, pun intended. I yeah. finally get Last to sing my own misty. name. Yeah, yeah. Misty gets to sing her own yeah. name in one of her yeah. songs. So belting is a uh, a type of uh, singing that's oh okay. That's, uh, <laughs> it's a it's a. Where where most of the power comes. Oh, from you belt out the national. It's like you talk all yeah. the time. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah. it's uh, and it's uh, it's not something that comes easily to everybody, uh, uh, especially someone who's who's had any training. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and uh, I was I was there for Misty's first show, which was all shook up. <laughs> and and I can tell you that she has. Uh, uh, it's it to me. It's kind of like she's. She's made her way to this to this place. I mean, this this mm-hmm. is this part. It just feels like she's really kind of like a progression. This is all led to here, mm-hmm. you know. For, it's cool. for Misty. I'm gonna cry. Uh, <laughs> and I, I think she'll be the first to tell you that three years ago <laughs> she couldn't have done this part. No. Uh, but she's able to do it now because of what she's done. Experience. You know, a, and, a and lot there of lots of stories like that in this cast of people who who have just come along, you know, with us mm-hmm. and grown and developed and become people that we turn to. You know, can we talk about Adam Zachariah? Sorry, yeah, Adam yeah, Zachariah. Exactly. Can, we, oh, can we please talk yeah. about him for a while? Because yeah. Adam, mm-hmm. when I when I got here in Chicago, yeah. the kid would barely look me in the face, yeah. mm-hmm. and now every time I see him, it's a big hug and a smile and talking. And Adam and started with Misty. Yeah. He, so Adam, me. Adam was well, yes, in college. Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah. For sure. Adam was yeah. in All Shook Up with me, and we were actually dance partners, which was calendar girls. a hilarity <laughs> in its own thing. Thanks My wife be, to kiss Adam. Thanks be to Miss Kim for teaching us how to dance. But yeah. uh, I, I remember I, I gave Adam one of the locker room swats on the butt, <laughs> thinking that would be a great way to introduce myself to him. Uh, he it swiftly is. turned around and told me to never touch him again. <laughs> Uh, and then we were paired up to be dance partners. But Adam, Adam is a prime example of someone who is such a great friend and has grown and changed mm-hmm. so much. And you just see his spirit soar. Yeah. And he finally is now getting to play characters that are outside of the yeah. typecast that he's been playing mm-hmm. for the last few shows. Yeah. And he accepts groping very well now. Now he does, yeah. <laughs> Swiftly. It's, it's interesting, it. too. Like, watching watching him from, you know, in the, in the musical rehearsals for a while, we're, we're just going over the actual music 
score and so forth. And uh, and then we got to the stage, and all of a sudden, this this huge persona just basically took over the entire stage with Adam, and and it was just a fabulous thing to see, just absolutely wonderful. And um, but I've known him since he was in grade nine, and and. Uh, <laughs> Started, so you really watched him grow. Yeah, I, I have. And, and I think back to his wonderful high school years. He, he came out for, um, I was trying to get him on stage for a few years. I hope he doesn't mind me sharing this. But eventually he, we did Cats. And he came forward and auditioned for Cats. And I thought, wow. <laughs> so we cast him as Skimble Shanks in Cats, which is the railway cat. And he totally owned it and, <laughs> and just embraced it. And it was like, wow, this, you know, he's got something really cool. And being in Lemiz, watching him on stage, it's just, it's fabulous. It's wow. just, and yeah. Adam is somebody that, you, you know, if you meet Adam on the street, uh, he's this very conservative, very, you know, quiet, unassuming guy. And he walks in that door every night. Transform, and it's a whole another yeah. guy. It's a whole, yeah. and you know, I've always said when I saw Adam audition for All Shook Up, he he couldn't sing the part I was asking him. I mean, he literally it was too high, and it was, but he was just like he was fearless. Wow! It didn't matter to him that he couldn't mm. sing it. He just he was completely fearless, and he has anyway. been that way every single time out. He just. Lets it all hang out. Yeah, he puts. He's great. He puts all of himself into yeah. mm-hmm. everything he does, yeah. and just, he's a. He is truly. An, I think he's an inspiration. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. And he's been in every show I've directed here. Oh, really? It's been in every single show I've directed. Yeah. The uh, I know there was a big article. I think uh, was it Russell that put out Kyle Beeson. Yes. Yeah. 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 It sounds that's, like, he, it sounds like, like he's like, been progressing well. Well, that's like the, you know the discovery of the show so far. I mean, you know, we've got a couple of kids that we uh, that we just kind of that like Reese our, our Gavrash is probably a revelation to me. Anyways, mm-hmm. uh, she was in mm-hmm. the search for a little cassette and really didn't make the cut. And then she showed up for Gavrash, and it's like, oh my god, yeah, you know, she's, mm-hmm. she's amazing. And Kyle is someone who literally just walked in off the street. I met Kyle at TEDx. Uh, his wife was doing my makeup, yeah, Ruby, you know, yeah. and uh, and uh, and she's the one who encourged him yeah. after talking to me to. Actually, you know? there's a funny story there. I'm yeah. laying in bed at like 8 a.m. or something on the day of these informa- the second set of information sessions, and I get a text message from Ruby, and she's like, "Kyle doesn't want to go to Kyle doesn't want to go to the thing because he says his voice isn't his voice is like his throat was sore or something, and she says oh. he can't he's like really Excuse. nervous and he doesn't want to sing in front of anyone if his voice sounds like this, and he doesn't really know if he should go. And I and I text her back and I said, "Well." He should go. It's an information session. Like they're not going to make him like belt out the freaking like. I, I was like, all like, just tell him to go get the information. If he really doesn't want to do it, then after that, after okay. That. Yeah. And like, and just tell Susan, our musical director, just say like, you know, I'm having trouble hitting the high notes at the moment. Like, I'm really sorry. I mean, you know, and uh, and so he went and um, and like there there's a. I remember Russell Russell and his boys had missed. Uh, the 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 first sing through back from Christmas, right, yeah. and at that time Kyle had never sang his his big solo in mm-hmm. front of the entire cast. Mm-hmm. He had only sung it with Susan, and because he had been missing in the other sing through, so 
uh, we're all sitting around mm-hmm. and we're and uh, I pl- press play on the track and he sings it. Well, like uh, you could have heard a pin drop because we weren't clapping after every song or anything. Like we're we're, we're working, and and all of a sudden someone like Greg, I think it was Greg, said like, "Oh, all the ladies," da, 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 and there was like a, a audible like. <sighs> like, <laughs> react. I like took off my sweater. I was like getting wow. I was like I can't. Yeah. Believe, I couldn't. A I man, couldn't, you don't get a better compliment than oh. I couldn't play play the next track. Like, and then so I went to Russell's office when he got back, and he said, "So how'd it go?" And I told him about this. I was like, "You like you are it's, you're not going to believe it." It's literally. Literally jaw dropping. Yes. Wow. Your mouth will yeah, yeah. be closed uh-huh. and then your mouth will be open. <laughs> it's not, not that this is a comparison, but it was a Susan Boyle moment. Whoa. Just, just, you know, where, yeah. where you're, you're sort of not expecting this, this gorgeous. He sings res- the part better than oh. any recording I've heard. Any recording wow. uh-huh. ever. That's, yeah. And I, I'm not just saying that. Uh-huh. I mean, it's the truth. Yeah. He just sings it better. <laughs> and he's a totally unassuming guy. He's got a, you know, uh, and he's, he's, he makes friends with he's close, he's friends with everybody in the room. Yeah. He doesn't he doesn't have any attitude to, of any kind. Oh and, no! And uh, you know it, it's just uh, um, he's just a tribute to the sh- to the show, and 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 he's gonna he's gonna knock it out of the park. Uh, uh, Let's, so it's great. So when can everyone see this absolutely amazing performance? Plus. The rest, like it's, I've gotten goosebumps just from a few conversations uh, that we've had tonight, and I can't wait to check this out. So, Missy, when can the world check? Well, this out? we we open on Valentine's Day, and and we're looking like it's going to be completely sold out. But we have uh, seven more performances. Uh, we run from February fourteenth to the twenty third. Uh, we have a preview night on uh, the 13th, which is still a dress rehearsal, and tickets are offered at a discounted rate. Um, but we we really hope that people will buy their tickets now and and not wait any longer, because this show is going to sell out, yeah. if not the whole run. No, I've screwed myself a few times by <laughs> waiting and then begging people to give me their tickets. So. <laughs> it's worked so far. I've got mine. Yeah, you're going opening night. Yep, the 14th. Yeah. Gonna be a good time. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And not all, not not just because I was threatened. <laughs> I, I may have done some threatening. Awesome, awesome. And you guys are doing one extra day too because it goes right to the 23rd. That's on the Sunday, Sunday yeah. morning, p.m. No, yeah, we've added a, a Tuesday and a Sunday actually. So usually we run our shows Wednesday to Saturday, but because this is such a big show, we can't. Uh, we can't do a matinee. It's too challenging for um, both teams, you know, the actors and the artistic team. So we have uh, we have a lot of performances for people to attend. Um, and like I said, just you have to get your tickets now so you're not disappointed. Order them now. Um, Claude, how does it feel watching your baby grow? It's great. I, um, I, I, I really love doing these shows. I really, you know... Uh, um, the uh, the experience last year with uh, with hometown was fantastic and and this is a great you know follow up to that. I'm looking forward to doing a smaller show here next year. <laughs> like, give somebody else the reins of one of the big shows, yeah. but it's uh, it really is uh, lovely to to do a show of this scale uh, and uh, and. You, you, I think the unsung heroes too are the people who who make all of the stuff happen that you never see, the tech staff, 
uh, uh, you know, the, the, volunteers. the folks who build the sets. Mm-hmm. There's five volunteers on stage right right this minute painting. Um, um, yeah, literally without uh, them, there's uh, no show. You know, and mm-hmm. and, uh, and and the staff at Keanu Theater. I mean, you know, it's a fantastic professional staff. We have a designer from New York right now who works That's all over cool. all yeah. over the U.S. I've worked with him twenty times, and he's tickled. He's tickled with with the support. Is this his first time coming up before that? Yeah. yeah. Oh wow! And uh, he loves the way that the set has come together, and and uh, is is absolutely amazed. And again, you know, it's another guy who just like just couldn't couldn't fa- like couldn't imagine what it was really going to be like here. And, up here, and is like, this is a real place. This is a real town. <laughs> lots going on. Who would have knew and, there were uh, not like GQ or theater, Shadow and the magazine? And who knew a theater like this is, is would be here, right? So oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Do we want to dive into what else Kano has to offer coming up? Or well, we will be making um, some really exciting announcements during the run of Les Mis. I was just going to say, can we please get a preview of next year? Well, next year is a really special year for us at KTC because we'll be celebrating our thirty fifth season. Wow. So. 35 years uh, for Keanu Theatre Company and 20 years for the Art Center being open wow. at its location That's at Keanu That's a huge College. milestone. It is. And we're hoping to just uh, sort of let everyone in on what we've been doing all this time. 30 years. 30 years for the, the Art theater, Center? Yeah, the Art Center at Keanu? Yeah, I believe yeah. 30. Yeah. yeah. That would make sense. Yeah, 30. Russell told me 20. But I think it opened the year before I came, 1980, I believe. So we have this rich history where, uh, you know, we did four shows a year for the last uh, 15 years, I think, and for 15 years before that, they did six shows a year. So there's hundreds of titles that we have uh, produced at, at Keanu. And I think this next season is going to be a season that people have never seen before. And I really want to open the doors and show people everything that we've done because uh, there's this document that goes around the theater and it's in a plastic protective uh, sheet and it's all the titles of all the shows that we've done and I I want to you know I want to share that with people. Is it the only copy or something? Like, <laughs> it's like it's like in this plastic case and Misty's like I'm not letting anyone touch it because it's like it may the Declaration fall apart. of Independence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Bulletproof, protected, heat sensitive. Yeah, so I'm going to let one thing out of the bag. Yes, exclusive. I might get in trouble. I'm going to do it anyways. Right on. Sure. One thing out of the bag, exclusive to your radio show, and that's that. Uh, are you familiar with Norm Foster? I am. Okay. Well, he will be in Fort McMurray next season. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, he did. Uh, he in wrote person. bedtime stories, yes. and that's wow. what he did last season. He cool. will be here. Wow. What's he going to be doing? Ah. <laughs> Wow, that's incredible. So it's going to be a huge year next year, and you're going to be announcing next year's plays? Yeah, we'll be announcing the season uh, during the run of Les Mis, and then hopefully when we have Death Trap on stage, which is uh, the end of April, I'll have my my historical KTC exhibit downstairs in the art gallery. It's so. awesome. <laughs> it really is like cool. the declaration. It'd be uh, awesome if they had video from back then. Just like they do. Them, they do they? Oh, they do. VHS. Huh? They have beta. Oh, they yeah. have all sorts. We of need things. to convert that. There to is video. some. Yeah. There is some oh, stuff. Oh my go god! Through. Yes. There's yeah. Lots we we of really do. Stuff. Yeah. Well, like the the Fort Murray Filmmaking Association is is uh, very proud to be uh, partnering with Keanu for a number of projects. Yeah. Um, we've basically made the recital theater our home, and we'll continue to do so for the yeah. foreseeable well, future. It's a great space so. for you guys. Absolutely. Great space. And we got. 
some great stuff coming up on yeah. the on the twelfth. Actually, we have the uh, kickoff for the Winter Reels one hundred hour film challenge. Um, same night as your guys' media call, but we we go after the fact, so um, teams can come on down and 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 be involved with that, and maybe we can give away a little secret to the listeners of the YMM podcast, where Les Mis will be in. Uh, some aspect of Les Mis will be integrated into one of our elements for the challenge. So. I guess well, it is a- now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really cool that, you know, Winter Reels and Les Mis, like, this is all a part of, of Winter Play, so we've all sort of partnered to celebrate, you know, winter in our region, because we all have to suffer through it for, <laughs> you know, six to eight months, yeah. whatever it be. That's why we had to give them 100 hours. Can't do anything, can't do anything in 48 in the wintertime, right? So, yeah. Um, yeah, Winter Play is going to be lots of fun stuff with the city, and you guys got a, just announced a really big event for March 15th. Yeah, our annual fundraiser, the Affair for the Arts, uh, we just were able to announce yesterday uh, that William Shatner is going to be... What? TJ Hooker? <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, Captain Kirk is beaming down into the theater on uh, March 15th. We'll be having our annual event. So it's uh, it's really exciting. Right now, we're just selling sponsorships, um, which have exclusive offers for uh, meet and greet opportunities with Mr. Shatner. And public ticket sales will be uh, happening on. February 27th. There you go. Mr. Shatner, what'd you put on the thing yesterday? You Shatner pants. We shat our pants. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. I'm getting all my puns in now. Yeah. I'm sure he hasn't heard any of those. Uh, yeah. Final thoughts, guys. Thanks for having us. Hey, it's an absolute pleasure, sir. Yeah. The, uh, we look forward to we look forward to Les Mis, and we also look forward to much more uh, from Claude and some future projects that we may or may not have discussed tonight. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, while you're at Les Mis, make sure to get your tickets to the next show, which is Death Trap. Uh, it's a comedy right. comedy thriller, and it will be uh, closing our 2013-14 season in April, um, and that's going to be directed by Misha Albert. And I think our, the podcast owner Steve Reeve will be involved in the yeah, play. that's right, yeah. <laughs> So it's going to be a, a fun experience all around. Steph? Uh, thanks for having us. I love coming and doing these things. Uh, come say Les Mis. It's going to be epic and fun. And even if you don't like musicals, you will find something that you like about this. You'll find something that you love about this. I promise. There you go. Mm-hmm. Terry? Well, thank you again for inviting me to this. Um, yeah, Les Mis is going to knock people's socks off. Um, get your tickets, folks, because it's going to be an amazing show. Oh, that's exciting. Tito? Recharge your soul. Go watch Les Mis. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Like, you, know, it, uh, you know, these people are so inspired by the work behind the scenes uh, of the play and getting this show. Like, I mean, going to the show will equally inspire people, especially if it's your first time out going out to theater. Take someone that's never been to theater. You'll be surprised not only by your experience, but your experience watching their experience. That's actually a really good thing. It takes someone that's never actually been been to one before. Les Mis opens February 14th and then runs the 15th and then again the 18th to the 23rd. Keanu.ca slash theater. 
Grab your tickets. Winter Reels starts February 12th. Uh, $2,000 in prizes and awards up for grabs in the 100-hour film challenge. And then we're all get to see those films and a lot of other goodies. John Mick's going to be performing, and a couple of guys are going to do some talking on stage for a 100th episode of, of, a, of a podcast. on Fe- <laughs> <laughs> On February 22nd at the Recital Theater. So We also have the, uh, the TIFF. Film circuit. Oh, right, the true. YMM Shorts is back for their second. Uh, What's screening for TIFF? So the TIFF selection uh, is actually the Oscar and Golden Globe nominated Blue Jasmine by Woody Allen. So local filmmakers have uh, the opportunity to screen next to a Woody Allen movie. Yeah, I That's mean, pretty cool. <laughs> That's very cool. Uh, YMM Shorts uh, submit a film. Uh, the, the rules and uh, all the stuff is up at the ymmfma.com. Uh, 125 bucks if you get selected to screen next to a Woody Allen movie. And that's what I love about this tip series, if I can touch on it real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've always kind of wanted uh, an art house because everyone knows the problems with the, the Landmark Theater downtown. And I don't care if I just destroy any kind of relationship that I may have with them. But they, they, never, used to br- <laughs> they never used to bring in, like, the, the literally, it's an Oscar nominated film for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. It's going to be showing here at, uh, at the, the tip series down at Cano Theater. Never made a run up here with the landmarks. They don't have so. the room for it. The, the problem is that they're looking at what what gets they want the blockbusters. Yeah, like yeah. the one they're, the they're One Direction. Yeah, the One Direction documentary. That's what they, yeah, they want. Exactly. Yeah. Like if this Kill was me. like a Cineplex Odeon, they'd have the the theaters to actually allow for that, mm-hmm. but they don't. So so that's why. Perhaps we need one of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, we need the. We got one. It's called it's the Recital the Theater. It's called the Recital yeah. Theater oh, and the Tip Series. Exactly. So all the information that is happening, all the information is at ymmfma.com, of course. Keanu.ca slash theater and the TIFF for February is February 20th. Yep, February 20th. Blue Jasmine by Woody Allen. Perfect. Cool. Anyone got anything else? Nope. No? Cheers. It's going to be a blast, Lemus. Can't <laughs> wait for it. So for this episode of the YMN Podcast, on behalf of Stephen Ash, I'm Totsky. I'm Tito. I'm Terry. I'm Claude. Steph Link. Misty Oaks. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Good job, guys. Cheers, thanks. Thank you. Thank that you so really much. Fun. Uh-huh. YMM Podcast is a T-Man Entertainment production In association with Hyperphotonic Media Find us at hyperphotonicmedia.com oh, fuck <laughs>